0: Data visualization room is this big uh, touchscreen, a ninety-inch touchscreen with a bunch of other monitors where you can do data visualizations, which is a big part of modeling. So, so it's it's one thing to to look at the numbers fly by; it's another thing to actually do a visual representation of it.
1: You're listening to Further Together, the ORAU podcast. Join Michael Holtz and his guests for conversations about all things ORAU. They'll talk about ORAU's storied history our impact on an ever-changing world, our innovative scientific and technical solutions for our customers, and our commitment to the communities where we do business. Welcome to Further Together, the ORAU Podcast.
2: Happy Wednesday and welcome to another episode of Further Together, the ORAU Podcast. My name is Michael Holtz, your host, and I am really excited today to be talking about one of our ORAU-directed Research and Development Program projects, that's ODRD for folks who've listened for a while. Um, ODRD is our investment program that provides a path for funding innovative research-based approaches to solutions that capitalize on our core capabilities and the research interests of our member universities. And today, I have with me um, my friend, Julie Crumley, who has been on to talk about preparedness and other issues several times um, since we launched the podcast, and her research partner, Dr. Tom Berg from the University of Tennessee, and um, we're going to talk about disaster planning and All of that kind of fun stuff. So, I'm going to let Julie and Tom introduce themselves, and then we'll get into kind of the meat and the specifics of the project that they're working on. So, Julie, if you will go first, tell us a little bit about who you are.
3: So, I am Julie Crumley with um, ORAU and work within the public health and healthcare program area. Um, I conduct different research and evaluation activities um, and one of those one of the areas that I conduct those activities in is in preparedness and um, response, public health preparedness and response specifically um, and uh, have been fortunate to work with Dr. Berg um, and collaborate on this new ODRD. Awesome thanks Julie and Dr. Berg.
0: Well, I want to say hello to everyone. Um, uh, my name is Tom Berg, and I'm at the University of Tennessee, as as Julie has said. And I have a long sordid history. Been at the university for a little over two years now, and I'm <laughs> on the faculty in the College of Nursing and have a joint appointment in the College of Engineering and in Industrial and Systems Engineering. And as Julie was saying, um, we're working on this this uh, computer simulation project, which is a mashup of of several different things that looks at disaster preparedness and rural health. And that fits in the sorts of things that I do. So my modeling and simulation background, which is um, one of the things I do, looks at complex, high-consequence environments and seeing if you can actually build a computer model of that so you can do your planning and understand what the effects are and bring all kinds of data in. And so when Julie says, I don't know if that's right, we can go in and see, well, so what is right? What, What should it be? So that's a little bit
2: about me. Okay, excellent. And the work that you're doing together actually focuses on developing computer simulations to improve disaster planning in rural communities, which I have to assume is a tremendous need um, and sounds as a topic extremely interesting to me. So if you could um, talk about the work that you're doing and I guess where you are in the process at this point. And I know that's a big open-ended question, but um, (laughs) just kind of an overview of, of what's going on.
0: So is it's um, so Michael, you're absolutely right. So Julie and I started talking about this um, gosh, well over a year ago. And um, one of the things that we were um, thinking about is, you know, uh, exactly as you're, you're saying, Michael, you know, disaster preparedness, of course, is always an important area um, and very challenging. And rural health also, um, so you stop to think about it, and 20% of the U.S. population uh, lives in rural America, hmm. covers 97% of the landmass, And so there's a bunch of people living in wide open spaces. And it's very hard to plan for rural health and disaster preparedness because of the unique characteristics of that population in that environment. And so we we all been in rural America, right? So there's frontier America, which has vast open spaces and very little population and challenging infrastructure. We've all been in rural uh, Tennessee, maybe, and see very similar things with but different, right? And we've probably all heard of challenges with healthcare in rural America, um, hospital closures and Socioeconomic and sociodynamic challenges of, of some areas of rural America, funding issues. And right. so, what we're thinking is, God, wouldn't it be great to do a mashup of those two things and see if we can really understand? Can we build a computer surrogate, a computer simulation that looks at the two of those things so we can better understand what the relationships are and do better planning, you, uh, Julie said
2: gotcha that makes sense so so basically that's the question that you're trying to answer is can we create a a computer simulation that makes disaster planning better improves disaster planning for rural america
0: yeah and and what the effects are you know so this is yeah so there's this loop right can you can you do planning what's a planning effect on on the uh response of the healthcare system in in Mm -hmm. a rural area and then use that to inform what, what the plan would be to see if, see if it goes back. And the, the approach that we're using is, is uh, so we spent a lot of time between Julie and folks working with Julie and the first folks working at UT is exploring what's already existed um, um, because we don't want to recreate anything. True. And so, so the bad news is not a lot of work's been done in this area. The good news is it's very ripe for a lot of work in this area Uh, Some people have looked at certain portions of it, but, um, one of the, one of the interesting challenges are, um, how do you actually build this model and, you know, what is, what is draft zero? What is, what does draft zero look like? And, and it can be very well intentioned and want to make this model do everything. Um, but, but, um, I'll long be retired by the time that happens. And Julie's got a longer career than I do. She might even be retired by the time that happens. Yes,
3: definitely.
2: <laughs> so it sounds like there's definitely a, a, a long view at toward looking at how to make the improvements, how to fix the loop, so to speak, in terms right. of what what are the results? How does the... Infrastructure can improved, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Uh, yeah, so so Julie's really good at helping us do this. So so we're looking at all about implementation. You know, what are the various phases? Because at the at the end of this project, um, we want to be able to demonstrate: can you in fact do this? You know, that's the open okay. research question: can you really do this? Can you okay. can you build even a I call it relatively simple model, which is so uh, we were working on it just a few seconds ago relatively simple model and get it to represent what you think it's going to do and then start building more granularity into that. Okay. You know, so so when we actually say, you know, the resources change, you know, what resources are we talking about? And, and as we get more sophistication, actually identify specific resources, maybe unique to an environment in North Tennessee or, or rural Florida or out in Montana someplace. They're all very different, right? And so right. um, how can you make it so that it actually fits all those areas? Big challenge, big challenge. To do that.
2: So I guess in terms of answering that question, what, what have you learned at this point? It, one, is there an answer or is it still sort of to be determined?
0: Um, so, so my view is that there's definitely an answer. A big part of the challenge is, um, what, what are the inputs to the model? and what are the values of those inputs so if you think of an equation right um an equation you have a bunch of variables in there Mm -hmm. and and that's that's what we spend uh, up to this point a lot of time asking ourselves what are those things that decide whether or not you're prepared and deciding and, and that you can use to measure the response of a healthcare system and and there's uh and I'll be interested in Julie's view on this. There doesn't seem to be a, any one cohesive answer to that. There's there's a lot of um, information out there that's qualitative. Um, computer models don't like qualitative very much. They like numbers. Um, okay. So 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 when when you think of um, a spreadsheet or when you're doing TurboTax. Um, the government doesn't ask you, so how do you feel about your income this year? It says, what was your income this year? Give us the numbers. So the model needs to do the same sort of thing. And so um, uh, where Julie and her guys have been really helpful is, is for us computer geeky people to translate that qualitative sort of thing into, a, this is what that really means. And so when we, let's just say that we increase communication on the disaster preparedness side, this is what the impact will be in terms of the response on the healthcare side. And it's say, say that we have low, medium, high, and it's a factor of one, two, or three so that you put okay. into your equation. And so there's a lot of uh, subject matter expert input at this point, which is what ORRU is good at, right? Um, that, that's help, helping inform the model um, in, uh, in its various incarnations that it's taking.
2: Right. Um, so, Julie, how to bring that question to you? I guess um, how is how is it looking to have an answer and, and identify things? I mean, and I know just from our previous conversations, you know, um, urban disaster planning and rural disaster planning are far different in terms of the kind of inputs that are available in terms of resources, you know, in an urban setting versus rural. So. Obviously, a lot of that plays into it.
3: Yes, I'd say, you know, an answer is still to be determined somewhat. I mean, we know that it is going to be a very, it's a complex issue um, with many different sectors involved um, who all bring their own sort of experiences in history and operations uh, to the table. So, putting that together um, and demonstrating that using like a real case example um, is a very thoughtful thoughtful process, but um, I think we're trying to utilize a sort of a real life scenario, like a real case scenario example of um, area um to test it out and and do some more additional fine tuning but i do think that we this is totally doable um we are seeing some early um good progress i think and you know it's just you see things on the news around you know models predicting things and sort of gaps existing here and there and um of like issues that may apply more to rural areas that aren't applying to urban areas and sort of how that impacts people's health. And so, you know, the intent is really to further down the road, improve um, outcomes, those outcomes. Um, and, you know, every community does something different. So we think that narrowing it down to the sort of rural area as well Will um, be a useful way to, um, or is a thoughtful way to provide more value to the rural communities who have, you know, the very different experiences and, like you said, resources. Gotcha. Um, not to
2: put, I guess, not to put either of you on the spot, but is there a Timeline? Is this research that you both see um, kind of ongoing? Um, I mean, I know, uh, you know, ODRD funding is, you know, sort of sort of time bound, but um, it sounds like this might be research that's going to take a, a bit of time.
3: That's correct.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I agree totally with with Julie. It's it's um, there's so the biggest problem I have working with uh, Julie and Freddie is that they know too much, <laughs> and and there, there's just a lot of information, and right. you know the intent of a model is you try to keep it simple. This is not a simple problem. Sure. And, and there's a lot of dynamics, a lot of things changing and going on that that I think um, our initial attempt is, is going to take uh, be an approach to summarize some of that and. Generalize some of that, okay. um, but I, I think the real benefit is as, as we go forward towards uh, more and more implementation and final utilization, um, it's going to take a while to take all that information and, and approaches and to condense that into a model.
2: And you want it to be a workable and working model. So, you know, that can be, that is realistic, but also real. Um, so... You also can't rush the process, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the only benefit—well, I shouldn't say the only benefit. So the benefit of this kind of model is that it, somebody can use it, and so you want the interface to be something that's structured enough that somebody—you um, you don't have to have been part of the research project for X number of years to understand what it's going to do, and and, right. and so so um, that that's going to be. Um, part of the rubric for constructing this. Okay. And, you know, makes it even more complicated, right? Because it's a complex problem and you're trying to make it simple for end users. Uh, so let's put that in air quotes. I, I think I use the word straightforward. Straightforward for us, users to understand. And, and Julie did a good job at explaining, you know, different sorts of application areas. So applying in one area, they're going to have different things that they're going to want to input versus another area. And how do we do that as part of the structure and, and make sure that the model is equally as accurate uh, for, for those kinds of app, different applications.
2: Right. And wherever it's being implemented, right? I mean, yeah. So you've talked a little bit about this, but how um, how did you both come to be working on, This project, I guess, what's the background in terms of the partnership in working on this project?
0: I know that because of my prior interactions with ORAU, that you uh, or you had the ODRD program. um, And I can't remember who reached out to who. but like it was a it was a while ago, and we um, we spent some time figuring out what it what what uh, what the lightning rod would be that that we'd be working on together.
3: It was sometime in like twenty twenty, um, early fall or maybe summer. Mm-hmm. Um, we have worked on this for a little bit um, prior to putting in together the proposal, but. Um, yeah, you know, honestly, it has been whoever is responsible for this, I would like to thank. Um, <laughs> and because um, it has been fantastic working with Tom and his team. He is a great guy to work with. So knowledgeable. And, and, um, and yeah. So, um, so
0: I'd yeah, like to get brilliant. that bit if I could record it and share it with my 19 year old daughter. <laughs> Thank you for saying it. And, and, and I got to say, i, I love working with Julie. And, and I mentioned before, I, I think one of the funnest things is we're on these video calls and you, you ask a question, you make a statement, and she'll sit there and percolate on that. And you can see that she's thinking just based on her, her facial expressions. And so it, it's a lot of fun. Um, everyone at ORU has been very gracious and understanding and helpful. Um, and, and also, like I said, tremendous insights. It's that there's a wealth of information that goes on that. I hope we can capture some part of, uh, in, in, uh, this part of our interactions.
2: Awesome. That sounds great. It sounds like a great, um, a perfect match as, (laughs) as we might say. Um, and Tom, we can work on getting that little, oh thank you (laughs) that little sound bite you can put it as your ringtone on your phone yeah there you go that's a good idea (laughs) um so i guess what happens next is there i mean obviously this is going to continue for a while um is there publication presentation um finding more funding to keep things going, all of the above.
3: (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) Okay. We we have, um, we are uh, going to present uh, oral presentation, paper presentation, whatever you call that, um, depending on your field uh, at the preparedness summit in April. So in a couple months to uh, present sort of where we are, um, And, you know, within the context of this is a, you know, whole of a system view um, and taking that into account and seeing um, what happens there and then certainly drafting manuscript uh, to submit for publication and as well as drafting um, and seeking additional funding to get this model sort of further down the road where we know that it needs to go, um, but is not possible within a 12-month time period.
2: Gotcha. Okay. That makes perfect sense. Is there anything I haven't asked you that you want to make sure that folks understand about your research in this particular project?
3: Tom, I wanted to ask if, I mean, uh, if you wanted to talk about the lab at all, but if not, it does not matter.
0: No, no, we can't. So um, like I said, I started here a little over two years ago. And one of the things that we were able to do is set up a, it's called the ASL advanced systems lab. And, it's in, and the name kind of is descriptive. And so um, it's, it's about three, 2,500 square feet of computer lab space and data visualization. And we, we have what we call the war room, which is just a bunch of whiteboards and, and computer or uh, monitors where, where you can sit down and bring in folks like Julie and Freddie and brainstorm about what's going on. And then the, um, the, the data visualization room is, um, this big uh, touchscreen screen, it's a 90-inch touchscreen with a bunch of other monitors where you can do data visualizations, which is a big part of modeling. So, so it's, it's one thing to, to look at the numbers fly by, it's another thing to actually do a visual representation of it. Um, and then, you know, part of what the labs intended to do is to use um, augmented reality and virtual reality, mm-hmm. um, which is, which is another way to do interaction Um, I don't know that it's directly applicable to the sorts of things we're doing right now, but when you get grad students and postdocs involved, they have a tendency to come up with really creative ways to do sorts of things. Yeah. Um, So, so that's, that's the lab. Um, And it's intended to be kind of an anchor point for doing this kind of work. And so fortunately, ORU is the um, uh, uh, inaugural project that we're working with right so so they're really the first ones that are really testing testing this out so the only problem is with the current pandemic it's been problematic to get all of us together down here sure um, between your restrictions of travel and 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 that's and interacting with each other so hopefully sometime soon we'll actually be able to have a uh, project party here
2: nice um, I'm I'm hearing uh that Bo and I need to make a field trip to the ASL. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, especially <laughs>
0: especially if there's a UT game that we can pull in on satellite, you know, seeing it on you know six different monitors would be nice. I yes. bet.
2: I bet. Well that sounds not amazing. that we could do that
0: sort of thing using <laughs> project bugs. University
2: equipment, right, right, right. Yeah. right. <laughs> Hypothetically speaking. That's right. Exactly. It's possible. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you both so much. The lab sounds like an amazing place. And truly, I think at some point um, we may need to follow Julian and come down and and visit.
0: We have a spare office for for you all if you ever want to get off site and not be bothered by the hassles of day-to-day work um, in your normal work environment.
2: That sounds like a good plan. Thanks so much. Dr. Tomberg, Dr. Julie Crumley, thank you so much for your time today and for talking to us about your great ODRD project. And I look forward to hearing what comes next with this project and maybe we'll have you back.
1: Thank you. Thank you, I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for listening to Further Together, the O R A U podcast. To learn more about any of the topics discussed by our experts, visit www.orau.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, at O-R-A-U, and on Instagram, at ORAUTogether. If you like Further Together, the O-R-A-U podcast, we would appreciate you giving us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your reviews will help more people find the podcast.